Lesson number 29, Surah Al-Baqarah, will begin from ayah number 217. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الشَّهْرِ الْحَرَامِ They ask you about the sacred month. They ask you, meaning the Sahaba, the companions, they asked the Prophet ﷺ about the sacred month. What about the sacred month? Remember sacred months are those in which what is forbidden? Fighting is forbidden. Meaning Muslims cannot go to war in those sacred months. So the people, they asked the Prophet ﷺ about the sacred months, meaning qitalin fi, fighting in it. Is it permissible to fight in these months? Is there any exception when people would be allowed to fight in these months? And in particular, this verse was revealed concerning a context, an event that happened, an incident that took place. The Prophet ﷺ, he sent a group of people towards An-Nakhla. An-Nakhla is a place that is close to a ta'if. And he sent a group of companions over there. Why? To check to find out about the activities of the mushrikeen, of the Quraysh. Because you know that the Muslims in Medina and the mushrikeen of Makkah, they were at war with one another. And many times it happens that your enemy could be preparing to attack you and you have no idea. All of a sudden you find them in front of you. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was a very alert leader, a very proactive leader. So this is the reason why he sent his companions to check that are there any activities going on against the Muslims over there? So he sent a group of Muslims over there. And these few Muslims, they were under the commandership of Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah. Now, he did not send them to fight over there, to wage war, to attack any people. No, just to find out about the activities that were going on in that region. And this was in Jamad Thani. Jamad Thani is which month? It is of the Ashurul Hurum. It is of the sacred months. Okay? And it was towards the end of Jamad Thani. What does that mean? That they weren't allowed to fight in that time at all. Now what happened was that these Muslims, they came across a group of mushrikeen. And these mushrikeen, they were merchants. They were businessmen. They were out and about for a business trip. They were not there to wage war against anybody, to fight anyone. No, they were just there traveling through the desert for their business trip. But it just so happened, the group of those Muslims and those mushrikeen, they ended up in a fight. Sometimes it happens that it begins with verbal conversation, verbal argument, and it leads to physical fighting. And the Muslims, they managed to kill one of the persons. And who was he? Ibn al-Hadrami. That was his name. Now this was not to wage war against them. No. It just happened that one event led to the other. And before they knew it, one of the men from the mushrikeen got killed by the Muslims. Rajab is a sacred month. Jamad Thani is not. In Rajab, they're not allowed to fight. So after Jamad Thani comes, after Jamad Thani comes, Rajab. And then comes Sha'ban. So, they thought it was Jamad Thani, whereas the new month had already begun. Okay? They thought it was still the last day of Jamad Thani, whereas the new month had already begun, so it was actually Rajab, when they happened to kill the mushrik man. 
So you understand, the Muslims were not sure about which day it was. Okay? So they ended up killing a mushrik when? In the sacred month of Rajab. This was an accident. Okay? But the people made a big deal out of it. Who made a big deal out of it? The mushrikeen obviously, their enemies obviously. That look at these Muslims. They claim to be the followers of Ibrahim a.s. They claim to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worship Him and obey His laws and respect the Haram, respect the Kaaba. But look at these people, they don't have respect for the sacred months and they are killing others in the sacred months. They made a huge deal out of it. So the people... They started asking the Prophet ﷺ, so what is the case of these people? Are they forgiven? Did they make a major mistake? What's the consequence? What's going to happen now? So, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الشَّهْرِ الْحَرَامِ قِتَالٍ فِيهِ They ask you about the sacred month, fighting in these months. And especially with regards to those Muslim individuals, that what is their consequence now? How will they be dealt with? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He responded. He revealed the answer. قُلْ Say to them that قِتَالٌ فِيهِ Fighting in these months, it is kabirun. It is major. It is a very great thing. Meaning it's a great sin. Kabir, kaf bara, something great, enormous. So fighting in these months is not a small thing. It's a major sin. قُلْ قِتَالٌ فِيهِ كَبِيرٌ so, قُلْ قِتَالٌ فِيهِ كَبِيرٌ However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَصَدٌ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ But stopping people from the way of Allah, وَكُفْرٌ بِهِ And disbelief in Him, in who? In Allah. وَالْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ And stopping people from the sacred mosque, وَإِخْرَاجُ أَهْلِهِ مِنْهُ And expelling people from it, expelling its residents from it, these crimes, Allah says, they are akbaru in the Allah. They are even greater in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fighting in the sacred months? Yes, a very serious sin. A great sin. However, stopping people from the religion of Allah, then disbelief in Allah, then stopping people from the sacred mosque, and expelling people from Makkah, this is something that is even more severe. This is an even greater crime in the sight of Allah. And who was committing all of these crimes? The mushrikeen were committing the crimes. So in other words, Allah is saying that you object a lot to what the Muslims did. One small mistake, accident that happened. You're making such a big deal out of it. But have you seen your own crimes? There are levels of crimes, there are levels of sins. Some sins are minor, other sins are major. And the major sins also are of various levels. Committing zina with any other woman, yes, it is a big sin. But committing zina with the neighbor's wife is even a greater sin. Disobedience to parents, yes, it is a major sin. But disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Shirk with him, associating partners with him, that is what? Akbarul kabair. It is the greatest of the greatest sins. 
So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that yes, fighting in the sacred months, violation of the sanctity of the sacred months, it is a great crime. But stopping people from the way of Allah, expelling people from the house of Allah, not letting them worship over there, disbelieving in Allah, this is even greater. So with what courage are you criticizing other people when you yourself are so sinful? If you look at the sins that are mentioned over here, firstly, صَدُّنُ عَنْ سَبِيلَ اللَّهِ صَدْ is from the root letter صَدْ دَالْ دَالْ And صَدْ is to prevent, to stop, meaning either stop oneself, not go forward, or to stop others from going forward, from moving ahead. So صَدُّنُ عَنْ سَبِيلَ اللَّهِ Stopping from the way of Allah, what does it mean? That a person does not go in the way of Allah, him or herself, Or that he stops other people from going in the way of Allah. And what is the way of Allah? The religion of Allah. So for example, a person doesn't pray himself, and he also stops other people from praying. He doesn't read Qur'an himself, and he also stops others from reading Qur'an. And a person can stop others from the religion of Allah in various ways. One is that a person actively, intentionally, deliberately stops people from the religion of Allah. So for example, you feel that as soon as you started wearing hijab, all of a sudden everybody is criticizing you. All of a sudden people are like, oh, so you're becoming so religious. Oh, so you're wearing hijab now and you feel so discouraged. And you feel, I think I'm going to take it off. I don't think I can handle all the criticism. So it happens with people. As soon as they want to start doing something good, they are stopped by others. The Muslims in Makkah, the Muslims at that time, were they being stopped by others when it came to religion? Yes. Very clearly. Those people who accepted Islam, it was as though people got the license to persecute them. It didn't matter if they were their own sons, their own brothers, their friends, their neighbors, their elders. It did not matter. Abu Bakr anhu was one of the most noble people of Makkah. One of the most respected people of Makkah. But when he became Muslim, when he recited Qur'an, when he supported the Prophet ﷺ, people physically abused him. Physically abused him. To the point that he almost died once. There were other people as well. Umar anhu, he was so noble, so respected in that society. But when he embraced Islam, what happened? He suffered so much. Uthman anhu, we know about him as well. Musab ibn Umayr, I mean the list is endless. So many people at that time, they suffered because of their Islam. Why did people persecute them? To stop them from the religion of Allah. So Allah says, this is an even greater crime. وَصَدُّنُ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ And other times, a person may stop others from the religion of Allah indirectly, unintentionally. How? That if we are harsh with other people, then they will say, I don't like these Al-Huda people, man. They're too harsh, they're too strict, and they're too difficult. You know, as soon as any person goes and studies Qur'an and Al-Huda, then, you know, they become different. They become so harsh. So if we become harsh, we become stubborn, we become rude, we become arrogant, and look down on those who don't know the deen, then we are stopping people from the deen. Aren't we? But doesn't mean we don't do what we're supposed to. Yes, we have to do it. But there is a way. We have been told to treat other people in a gentle manner. 
not offend them, not turn them away. Right? Recently I have been receiving so many emails against one scholar or another scholar, or this scholar don't listen to him, that scholar don't listen to him, don't read his books, don't attend his lectures, don't attend his classes, he does bid'ah or he does magic or he does this, and don't you know this is kufr? I mean, who are you going to spare? Which person will you spare? No human being is perfect on this planet. Every human being has some fault or the other. Correct? You look at the scholars of the past, they were very great scholars, but after all they were human beings. So even they perhaps made some mistakes. Whatever they believed, whatever they promoted was not necessarily 100% correct. It was refuted later on or it was disagreed with later on. But when we spread this propaganda, that oh don't listen to him, don't listen to him, don't listen to him, what do people think? Forget it, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I've had enough of this. So وَصَدُّنَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Stopping people from the way of Allah. If we come to the masjid and we don't keep our shoes properly, we don't hang our jackets properly, we don't sit properly in class, then we are discouraging other people from coming to such places. If we use the washrooms filthy, if we don't follow order and discipline, we are discouraging people from learning the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If while we are studying the deen, we don't give the haqq of our families, then we are discouraging people from learning the deen. Right? So, this is something that's very, very major. وَصَدُّنْ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ بِهِ And disbelief in Him. Meaning, disbelieving in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is also a huge crime. But the mushrikeen of Makkah, yes, they worshipped idols, but did they not believe in Allah? Do you know if the mushrikeen believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yes, they did. They believed in Allah. Then why does Allah say, وَكُفْرٌ بِهِ how were they disbelieving in Allah? By shirk, by stopping people. The thing is that if a person rejects what Allah has said, what Allah has commanded, what Allah has revealed, whom Allah has sent, then who is he rejecting? Allah. So when they were refusing to believe in the Messenger wasallam, when they were refusing to believe in the Qur'an, in fact, who were they rejecting? Who were they disbelieving in? Allah. So wa kufrum bihi. This is an even greater crime. Wal masjid al haram. Wal masjid al haram. This is connected with saddun. Okay, meaning stopping people from the masjid al haram. You say how? It doesn't make sense. I mean, wal masjid al haram is just coming in the middle of the sentence, just like that. Have you noticed that in the Arabic language there are no words such as is, are. Have you noticed that? You always find these words, these connecting words in brackets. Don't you? Don't you? You find them in brackets. And at the same time you see nouns, you see words that, for example, kufr. Sometimes it comes as kufrun, other times as kufran, other times as kufrin. Right? So you find all these different harakats at the end of the word. Correct? Have you noticed that so far? Now, these harakat at the end of the word, whether it is fatha, kasra, or dhamma, they indicate what is called the i'rab of the noun, the word in the sentence. What is the i'rab? I'rab is the status of the word in a sentence. 
Meaning, is this word the subject? Is it the object? Alright? So it tells you about the status of the word in the sentence. So for example, in the English language we will say, the boy is going. So what does it mean? Boy is, boy is the subject. Right? He is doing something. Right? And likewise you may say, the pen is on the table. So what is the table? The object, right? You can say, I am fixing the food. So the object is what? The food. I am cooking the food. That is the object. Right? But you can say, the food is very good. Now the same word, its status changes. Correct? So likewise in the Arabic language, the status of the word changes, depending on how you're using it. Okay? And depending on what the status is, it will either have a fatha at the end, or a kasra at the end, or a dhamma at the end. What exactly is what? I'm not going to go into all that detail right now. But I just want you to be aware that these harakat at the end of the word, they have a function. Okay? They have a purpose. One thing that you will notice here is, wal-masjidi. Wal-masjidi. What's on the dal? A kasra. If you go back, if you go back, which other word has a kasra under it? Sabi-lillah. Now, before sabili, what do you see? An. An is one of those words in the Arabic language that is known as huruf jar. Huruf jar. Meaning there are those words which give a jar, meaning a kasra to the words, to the nouns that come after it. To those nouns that are connected with it. Okay? What are huruf jar? Those words that give a kasra to the nouns that come after it, that are connected with it. So this is the reason why صَدٌ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Stopping from First of all, the way of Allah. Okay? And then after that, وَالْمَسْجِدِ haram. So what does it mean? وَالْمَسْجِدِ haram is connected with what? صَدٌ an. So stopping from the Masjid al-Haram. Do you understand? Why we are translating al-Masjid al-Haram as stopping from the Masjid al-Haram? Because it's connected with صَدٌ an. Okay, So stopping people from the sacred mosque, meaning not letting people worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over there. This is a crime that is even greater. Did this happen? Did this happen? Did the mushrikeen do this? Did they prevent people from worshipping Allah in the sacred mosque? Yes. The Prophet would be praying and they would come and what would they do? What did they do once? They put the intestines of a camel on top of him when he was in sujood. You know how heavy they are? You know how heavy they are? Imagine how heavy a camel is. How huge its stomach is. Just imagine. And they took that and they put it on top of him. And he could not move. He could have suffocated over there. And his daughter is the one who came and she removed it. Little girl, Fatima radiallahu anha. Just imagine her state. How sad she would be. Stopping people from the Masjid al-Haram. Muslims were not allowed to pray publicly. They were not allowed to recite the Qur'an over there. And when the Muslims went to perform Umrah, what happened? They were not allowed to enter Makkah. 
So wasaddun, stopping people also from the Masjid al-Haram. وَإِخْرَاجُ أَهْلِهِ إِخْرَاجُ خَارَجِيمُ To expel. So expelling people, which people? أَهْلِهِ It's أَهْل Meaning the dwellers, the residents of the sacred mosque. In other words of Makkah. Those people who reside there, whose house is, whose home is Makkah. Expelling people from there. Not letting them live there. Persecuting them to the extent that they are forced to leave. وَإِخْرَاجُ أَهْلِهِ مِنْهُ Allah says all of these crimes are أَكْبَرُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ They are greater near Allah. They are far worse in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالْفِتْنَةُ And persecution is أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ It is even greater than قَتْل. Fitna, I told you earlier, what does it mean? Religious persecution. The mushrikeen, they were persecuting the Muslims because of their deen. So persecution of people because of their religion, this is far greater than killing them. Than killing them. It is far greater. Because when a person is killed, he's done, he's finished. But when a person is being persecuted, then he doesn't know if he's going to survive, if he's going to live, if he's going to be tortured, if his family is going to be tortured in front of him. It's far worse. وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ Then Allah tells the Muslims that yes, you're hearing all of this propaganda, all of this criticism, people are talking a lot against you. Remember that وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يَزَالُونَ is from زَاي وَاو لَام from the word زَوَال and زَوَال is to disappear. You know the زَوَال of the sun? When the sun goes away. So وَلَا يَزَالُونَ meaning they will not cease, they will never ever stop. They will never ever cease to do what? Do yuqatilunakum to fight you? Meaning they will continue to fight you. Hatta until yaruddukum they turn you back on dinikum from their religion. Yaruddukum from the root letters ra dal dal rad to return. So your enemy, these people, will continue to fight you, they will continue to oppose you, they will strive to harm you, they will continue to criticize you, until they make you leave your religion. So what's the problem that they have? They don't like your religion. They don't like your deen. وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ حَتَّى يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَنْ دِينِكُمْ But what does Allah say? إِنِ اسْتَطَاعُوا if only they were capable. Istata'u. Tawawain. Istita'a is to have the ability, to have the capability to do something. So if only they were able to make you leave your religion, they would do so. So they are, in other words, doing their best. They're not leaving any chance, any opportunity to make you leave your religion. But Allah does not give them tawfiq. This is why they're not successful in their struggle. Which is why we see that Muslims were captured, they were persecuted, they were tortured, they were killed in front of each other in the most brutal of ways. But still, did they give up their deen? Did they? Bilal when he would be persecuted, what would he say? What would he say? Ahad, Ahad. Why? Why would he say Ahad? To show that he is not leaving Islam and to also 
anger Abu Jahl even more, to anger the mushrikeen even more. That you want me to do shirk? You want me to say the name of Lat and Uzza? I say, Ahad, Ahad, go ahead. Torture me more and see if I change, if I budge. And he did not. So these people, they want you to leave your religion if only they were capable. But they're not capable because Allah will not give them tawfiq. The fact is that a person can only remain firm on Islam if Allah gives him the tawfiq to do so. A person can only remain firm on Islam, on obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if Allah gives him the ability to stay firm. Because there are many people, many people who start doing good things, who do become Muslim even, but on the slightest of difficulty, on the slightest of persecution, they give up, they stop. They discontinue the good that they're doing. Why? Because they didn't have the tawfiq to continue. Can we imagine suffering like Bilal anhu? We cannot even imagine. So if we have been able to bear the criticism of people and continue the good that we're doing, remember this is only with the tawfiq of Allah. And if we feel that we're giving up, we're getting tired, then ask Allah for His tawfiq. Tawfiq means the permission of Allah when Allah makes it possible for a person to do something. When Allah provides a person the means, the opportunity to do something. Alright? So, وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ حَتَّى يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَنْ دِينِكُمْ إِنْ إِسْتَطَاعُوا But Allah warns us, وَمَنْ يَرْتَدِدْ مِنْكُمْ عَنْ دِينِهِ And whoever turns away from his religion, يَرْتَدِدْ رَا دَال دَال From the same root as the word ridda. Ridda is apostasy. That whoever turns away from his religion, he says, that's it, I can't handle all this persecution, this criticism anymore. You have to live in this world, you have to live with all these people. Until how long will we suffer? You know, Allah is ghafoorul rahim forget it. Maybe Allah is not even there, because if He was there, I wouldn't be in this situation. If Allah really listened to my prayers, if Islam was really true, it would have been easy for me. People come up with such excuses and explanations. So, Allah says, whoever leaves the religion, fayamut, and then he dies, mim wauta, maut, and then he dies, wahuwa kafirun, while he is a disbeliever, meaning he dies in that state of disbelief, he became Muslim or he was Muslim, and he says, I cannot handle this anymore, this is too difficult, he gives up, and then he dies as a disbeliever, فَأُولَٰئِكَ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ Then those people, their deeds are completely wasted, completely nullified. فَأُولَٰئِكَ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ حَبِطَتْ حَبَطَ What is حَبِطَتْ? When something produces no benefit, produces no result, it is nullified, it is wasted. So all of their actions, their deeds, their a'mal, plural of amal, they are wasted. They will bring them no reward, no benefit. فِي الدُّنْيَا In this world, وَالْآخِرَةِ And the hereafter. Meaning the deeds that a person performed, the good deeds that he performed, they will bring him no benefit in the world. So for example, a person does not remain a Muslim, he leaves Islam, and he says, but I like that in Islam you have to pray. So yes, I won't, Call myself a Muslim, I won't do many things that Muslims do, but I like to pray. I like to meditate. 
Or he says that I like the concept of zakat. So I will give zakat, I will give charity. Just like the Muslims do, in the same manner. Allah says, no, these deeds, they will carry no weight. فَأُولَٰئِكَ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ And in the hereafter, all the deeds that that person did, whether it was the prayers that he performed, whatever he did, everything is wasted. It will not bring him any reward in the hereafter. وَأُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ And such are the companions of the fire, whom فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ They will abide therein eternally, forever. So what do we see in this verse? What do we see in this verse? That as Muslims, it will happen that others will criticize you a lot. Right? It's quite possible that the crimes that other people are doing there are far more great, far worse. But your smallest mistake will be highlighted, will be blown out of proportion. Does it happen today? Does it? It does, right? Like for example, if there was a Muslim person who happened to dress up or come as, what is it, the joker, right? And he shot all people. Whoever came in front of him, people would say, terrorist. But if it was another person, then he has some psychological issues, man. He needs some treatment. So if a Muslim does something, it is definitely highlighted. This is not something new. This has been happening since the time of the Prophet ﷺ. In fact, even before. The mushrikeen were killing Muslims day in and day. Whoever they found, they would harm him. But if the Muslims happened to kill one person accidentally, then it was such a big deal. I mean, it comes on the front page, it comes as breaking news. And this is not just at a bigger level, but even at a smaller level. You may see that, for example, if you wear hijab and your, let's say, cousin uh, does not wear hijab, Okay, let's say both of you are not married. People will say, you wear hijab, this is why you're not married. And the cousin, I mean, she might be older than you, she's still not married, but people are like, oh yes, she's working, she has a good career. Even though you may have a career, but nothing matters. Because you're wearing hijab, this is the root cause of all the problems in your life. Right? And in a way, it works for us. You know, you might think, like we learned earlier, Asa an takrahu shay'an wa huwa lakum. It actually works in our favor. You know how? It makes us even more careful. Right? Because if our sins, if our shortcomings, if our mistakes are blown out of proportion, then what does it mean? We have to be even more careful. Right? Even more careful. So that inshallah, on the Day of Judgment, we have less burden of sins on us. Inshallah. So this happens that people will criticize us for the mistakes that happen. And many times people criticize others without even looking at their own faults. Isn't it so? Like over here, a list of the mushrikeen's mistakes are mentioned, their crimes are mentioned. But they didn't consider them to be crimes, but one accident was a huge crime. Do we do the same thing as well? That we keep looking at other people and we keep listing their mistakes, their sins, their shortcomings, and we don't even look at ourselves. We say, my brother, he is always late, he does not do his homework, he misbehaves with my mother, he never vacuums, he never puts the garbage outside, his shoes are always all over the place, his socks stink, you know, he doesn't do his laundry. 
And we forget that our room is also a mess. And yes, we are not behaving properly with our parents either. And perhaps we also fail the test. You know, we don't look at our own sins. Does it happen? A husband and wife also. Many times it happens that the wife is thinking, my husband is bad in this way, in this way, in this way. And then if you ask the husband, what do you think about your wife? He will also give a list of problems that he finds in her. Daughter-in-law has a list of complaints against the mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law has a list of complaints against the daughter-in-law. Does it happen? Yes. A student may have a list of complaints against their teacher. And the teacher may have a list of complaints against who? The student. So what we do generally is that we look at the faults of others. And we don't look at our own faults. And this is one of the biggest mistakes that we can ever do. Imam al-Shafiri, he said that let not your tongue mention the shame of another. Let not your tongue mention the shame of another. That you're talking about the faults of other people, the mistakes of other people. For you yourself are covered in shame. You yourself are full of faults, of deficiencies, of mistakes. And all men have tongues. If you have a tongue then other people also have a tongue. So if you can criticize other people, then you know what? Others can also criticize you. It has also been said by a scholar that, أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ خَطَايَا أَكْثَرُهُمْ ذِكْرًا لِخَطَايَ النَّاسِ The people who are most sinful are those who talk about other sins the most. Those who list the sins of others are in fact most sinful. They don't look at their own faults. Rather they keep focusing on other people's faults. Once a wise man was asked that how come we haven't ever seen you criticizing another individual? He said that I have too many faults of my own. This is why I feel shy. I feel embarrassed to criticize others. When I have so many faults, with what audacity can I criticize others? So, one is that a person is doing riba, right? Backbiting. And the other is that he's listing the faults of others. So, double crime. And if, let's say, those crimes are not actually there in the person, he's not actually that bad, and you're making up those things yourself, then this is even worse. So we have to be very careful. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us, this is criticism will come, but it doesn't mean that you leave your deen. And if you do leave your deen, then... Remember that all your deeds will be nullified, they'll be wasted in this world and in the hereafter. And Allah does not need you. You need Allah. You need to stay firm, bear all the difficulties so that your reward is greater. But if you give up, then you will suffer. This is just like there is a person who is climbing up a mountain and their rope or whatever, it breaks. So they're holding on to the rocks until help comes. And they're striving to climb up so that they can get to the top, so that they can be saved. Or somebody else can come and rescue them. And as they're holding on, as they're striving to go up, they say, it's getting too hard. I can't do this anymore. And they say, forget it. And they let go. Then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They're going to die. They're throwing themselves into ruin. They should hold on. Keep holding on. And like we learned earlier, that inna nasrallahi qareeb. Indeed, the help of Allah is very near.
Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Indeed, those people who believed, وَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا And those who migrated. And hijra, hajru is from hijra, hajimra. And hijra is to leave, to leave something, to move away from it. It could be physically parting from someone or something or some place. So, for example, a person is sitting with others and then he gets up and he goes away. What does it mean? That he has hajra, he has left them, he has gone away from them. Alright? And this is also, you know, with the tongue. So for example, a person was saying something, he had the habit of saying something, and then he stopped, he discontinued. This is also a kind of hijrah. So for example, a person realizes that there is a bad word or a bad expression that they had been using excessively. So they say, that's it, I'm not using this word, this expression again. Whatever it was. So this is what? A kind of hijrah. Okay? Hijrah, remember that it's of two types. One is khas and the other is am. Khas meaning specific hijrah. Which one is that? That when a person leaves the place where practicing his religion is very difficult, is impossible, he leaves that place, goes to another, and settles over there so that he can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala easily. Okay? I'm not saying that you have to leave Canada and go to somewhere else and live there. Okay? I'm just telling you what the meaning of hijrah is. Hijrah is to leave the place where worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you is difficult. You know, many times people think that if you go to a Muslim country, then all of a sudden everything will be amazing and you can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can practice the deen. And they go there and find out that it's even more difficult. Because here at least you know that this is something that non-Muslims do, we don't do it. But over there, wrong things even Muslims are doing. It's how do you tell your children? Anyway, so one is khas hijrah. And then there is Aam Hijrah, general Hijrah. What does that mean? That a person leaves bad things, bad actions, bad words, bad habits, bad company, and then he switches to good habits, good words, good expressions, good company. So for example, you feel that every time you go to the mall, you spend hours over there, especially with a particular friend, and you end up missing your salah. So what would be your hijrah? What would be your hijrah? Hmm? You stop going completely, but what if you need to buy something? You choose your timing, like you fix it, that I am not going to go randomly, I'm going to go at this specific time, and I'm going to be back by this time. So I'm going to speak to my dad from before, so that he can pick me up after work, or my mom, that she can pick me up after work. Not that I'm standing there wondering, so mom, can you pick me up? So dad, can you pick me up? This is what people do. They go to the mall, they spend the whole day over there, and at the end of the day, they're calling their friends and their family, can you pick me up? Oh, nobody can? Never mind, I'll just stick around. Let me go watch a movie. That you go only when you need something, not that you want to chill with your friends, so you say, okay, let's go chillin', man. Let's go to the mall. And your parents ask you, what are you doing? You just chill, man, chill. Chill and waste your salah. Go with someone who will remind you of your salah. Who will become very antsy as the time of salah comes near. Okay? Likewise, you feel that 
when you're at school, you're sitting in the cafeteria and you're sitting with a group of students, with a group of your friends maybe, and every time you sit with them, they're talking about boys. Or they're talking about TV shows or movies. And then as you sit with them, you wonder, oh, I don't have a boyfriend and I don't have a crush on anyone. And I don't even know what these shows are. I've never watched that movie. And then you develop that desire to, okay, let me listen to that song. Let me watch that video. And let me see that movie. And let me look at this guy and that guy. Let me just take his email address. Let me just add him to my Facebook. Let me just see what he says. There's no harm in seeing. Then what do you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to do? Hijrah. So what does that mean? That crowd of people, as soon as they start talking about these things, what do you do? You get up and you leave. Either you change the topic, you change the subject, or you get up and you leave. And you go sit with others. And you feel like a loner, like a nerd, sitting in the cafeteria with a book open in front of you. Have you ever felt that? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever fear that this might happen? Do you have that fear? Honestly tell me. Honestly, speak here. Do you have that fear? That if you don't hang out with the usual crowd, you will be a loner? I had that fear for the longest time when I was in school. Yes? Alhamdulillah. She's saying that she went to a new school and she was alone over there, obviously, new people. She didn't know anybody, no friends. And she said she made dua to Allah that, Ya Allah, please give me good friends. And alhamdulillah, she made friends with some people who are very good people. You know in the Qur'an, in Surah Maryam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those people who believe and do righteousness, سَيَجْعَلُ لَهُمُ الرَّحْمَانُ وُدَّا very soon, the most merciful is going to create love for them. Meaning, he's going to create love in the hearts of other people for them. You feel alone. You don't know who to talk to. There's only a few people left on your Facebook. Because if you keep deleting all those bad friends, then you feel like, oh, I only follow 37 people. Nobody's writing on my wall. Okay? But don't worry. You do good deeds and Allah will give you good, sincere, righteous friends. But you have to wait for some time. Because this is the reward of hijrah. The Prophet ﷺ, when he left from Makkah, do you think he didn't have that fear? His relatives were in Makkah. You know, so many people were in Makkah. They were going to a new city, completely new place, completely new people. You think the Muslims didn't have that fear? Yes, they did. But what happened? They got friends like Ansar. Such friends who said, come and stay with us in our houses. Come and share our property with us, our wealth with us, our money with us. So much so that the Ansar would prefer the Muhajirin over themselves. So never worry. When you have to leave something for the sake of Allah, Allah will give you something that is better. So Allah says over here that إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا And those people who do hijrah, وَجَاهَدُوا And they also strove. They also do jihad. And jihad does not mean, please, only going to battle. Okay? وَجَاهَدُوا They're struggling, they're striving to worship Allah. They're striving to please Allah. They're striving to observe the commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. And if need be, if the situation arises, 
going to battle as well. Like the Muslims at that time, they had to go to Badr, they had to go to Uhud, they had to fight so many battles. So, وَجَاهَدُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ Those يَرْجُونَ رَحْمَةَ اللَّهِ They hope for the mercy of Allah. يَرْجُونَ is from Ra, Jim, Wa, Raja. And Raja is to expect something, to look forward to something, to hope for something. So they can hope for the mercy of Allah. Who? Those who are doing nothing? Those who are doing nothing? No. Those who believe who do hijrah, who strive in the way of Allah. When they're striving, then they can hope for the mercy of Allah. When do we hope for Allah's mercy and forgiveness? When? When we're doing nothing. Or when we're doing something wrong. We're doing something wrong and we think, oh it's okay, Allah is so merciful, He will forgive me. It's okay, no big deal. But what do we learn over here? That you have to be striving and struggling to please Allah. And then you can hope for the mercy of Allah. Wallahu ghafoorur rahim, And Allah is forgiving and merciful. He will forgive you your shortcomings. And He is merciful that He will give you the opportunity to do even more good. We'll listen to the recitation of these verses. Yes'alunaka anil shahri al-harami qitalin قِتَالٌ فِيهِ كَبِيرٌ وَصَدٌّ عَن سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَكُفْرٌ بِهِ وَالْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَإِخْرَاجُ أَهْلِهِ مِنْهُ أَكْبَرُ عِندَ اللَّهِ وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ وَلَا يَزَالُونَ يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ حَتَّى يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَن دِينِكُمْ إِنِ اسْتَطَاعُوا وَمَن يَرْتَدِدْ مِنكُمْ عَن دِينِهِ فَيَمُتْ وَهُوَ كَافِرٌ فَأُولَئِكَ فَأُولَئِكَ حَبِطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَالَّذِينَ هَاجَرُوا وَجَاهَدُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ أُولَٰئِكَ يَرْجُونَ رَحْمَةَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ So in these two verses we see a comparison between two types of people. One group is of those who cannot bear the criticism, the hardship, the suffering in the way of Allah and they give up, they leave Islam. What's their consequence? All their deeds wasted. All their deeds, all their good deeds in this world and in the hereafter. And such will be the inmates of the hellfire, abiding in it eternally. On the other hand, there are those who stay firm. They don't give up. And if needed, they will leave the place, the company, the people who influence them to do wrong things, who force them to do wrong things. And they keep striving in the way of Allah. What does Allah say? They can expect the mercy of Allah. And Allah is forgiving and merciful. So these two characters are in front of us. Whenever there is any challenge, any difficulty that we face from others, any external pressure, whether it's from a friend or a co-worker or a boss or a relative, then there's two ways to react. One is to give up and the other is to 
stay firm. You stay firm, Allah will give you firmness. And inshallah, Allah's mercy is there to make things easier for you in this world as well as in the hereafter. We see that Wallahu ghafoorur rahim. Only Allah is ghafoorur rahim. Sometimes it happens that you make a mistake and you apologize to others, you seek forgiveness from them, but people don't accept it. They keep blaming you, they keep criticizing you, they don't want to accept you, they keep rejecting you because of the mistake that you made. There is no forgiveness. But when a person commits a sin and seeks forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then other people don't even find out about the wrong that you did. And inshallah, Allah has forgiven you because you sincerely repented to Him. So wallahu ghafoorur rahim, only Allah is forgiving and merciful.